As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Ports, I'm with you on a Tuesday morning. This is our last Tuesday of September. Actually, our last podcast of September. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. And as strange as it feels, Allison, the leaves are turning outside. The weather's dipping. I think the high on Friday is like 58 degrees. Love um, it. It's fall. And yet we are hoping that uh, perhaps tonight, Monday, the Stanley Cup final ends, um, and the off season can begin when the uh, next season was supposed to start. Uh, we know that the Blue Jackets are looking to be active this summer, looking to upgrade themselves uh, at the forward spot, hopefully center, perhaps a winger as well. Um, so they're going to be active. But one piece of information uh, you would have read first in the Athletic last week is that one of the ways they may help facilitate their moves this summer and their ability to afford them is a contract buyout of center Alexander Winberg. Um, this is this is an odd wrinkle to buyouts in this league, Allison, because Winberg is not a 36-year-old with knocking knees and and slowing uh, skates. He is a player that should be in his prime right now. Just turned 26 years old. Um, but there's lots to get here uh, with the specifics. And before you plunge into those, let me just stop and ask you your feeling on the idea that Alexander Winberg, at this point of his career, could be a contract buyout by the Blue Jackets. Yeah, I mean, this is tricky. I think it's hard because, to your point, often we think of a buyout candidate as someone who is no longer valuable 
um, to a team. And I think the issue we have here is is that this this player is overpaid um, for the role and the production that he he's giving. I mean, if this if this is a three million three point five million dollar contract, are we even worried about this player? I don't know that we are. Um, I think it's just and wouldn't it be curious? You know, what I'd love to know is, you know, you buy out the player and then he could he could I mean theoretically re-sign with the team, no, on a new contract, or can he not do that? I think he has to wait exactly one calendar year before he can do that. Okay, so our, so not. But yeah. I think I think that if if this player is bought out, it's purely a dollars discussion. I, I don't view it as strongly of a reflection on the player himself as much as the league and and others historically do. I think this is this is an overpayment situation and there's an opportunity here that is excessively unique. Um, and it, it, it's foolish to not consider taking advantage of it. Yeah, and the reason this is a urgent story, in other words, this is not something that can wait until next year. It can, but the, the dynamics around it change dramatically. Um, he just turned 26. As of June 15th of this year, he was 25, so he's eligible for a one-third buyout rather than a two-third buyout so if they if the blue jackets do it this year and this is the numbers are surprisingly low and being frank and honest is when you when i'm typing these numbers up and looking at these numbers and sort of figuring it out and double checking with people in the in the league you're like well of course they're gonna buy him out like look how low that is so he has he has $16 million, a little, a little over $16 million remaining. <coughs> a little over $16 million remaining on his contract. If they buy him out now, they owe him 5.35 over the final three years, but they can split that into six years. So we're talking under a million dollars a year for six seasons, and he goes away. That saves them. million dollars and so i I look at those numbers and i think of course they're going to buy him out like that that's just that one hits me upside the head almost like a two by four so i think it's i think it's this easy i think teams always try to trade somebody if they can but to your point i think there's a lot of people that like the player yeah but not at 4.9 million dollars and really his salary is 5.35 million for the next three years. Right. I don't think there's much traction at that. Um, so there's there's that to fit there's that to put right there. Could they trade Wenberg and eat a portion of his salary? And then you get into all the sort of variables that a GM has to kick around. If you like the player that's coming back to you, equal to the amount that A, you're paying that player, but also the portion of Wenberg's contract that you're picking up, then you might make the trade. But that's that seems a really hard fit for me to find. I, I don't know about you. Do, do you know what I'm saying, Allison? Do, does, I, yeah. it, does that seem reasonable at all that that player could be out there? Listen, I mean, you know, as, as I said last week when we went through all of the forward options, I take nothing off the table with Yarmo Kekalein in there, right? Yeah. Um, that's not a move he's made, actually, now that I think about it, however, is is 
eating salary um, in the trade, correct? He's not eating any salary in the trade that I, I can think recall. I th- they may be eating Milan. No. No. I think that's going the other way. I think the Ducks are eating part of Devin Shores. Yeah, I don't think I don't think yeah. that Yarmo has done that to date. Now that's not to say he wouldn't. Um, but I mean, I think I it's not out of out of the question for sure. And and yeah. <laughs> the the ironic little narrative that goes against uh, Yarmo if if he moves Alexander Wenberger buys him out is the William Carlson narrative. Right. Right. I mean, look sure. at look at this player. He's not producing. He looks to be a bottom six guy, really strong defensively. And then boom, takes off. Now, granted, that was super high inflated shooting percentage his first year in Vegas, but yeah. he's maintained an overall solid game. And so Wenberg might have that in his corner that that helps keep him as a valuable trade asset. Now that people know that there's this buyout consideration as well. Yeah. You've, you've studied the player. I think I've written a bunch of stories about can he get it back together again, and he looks like he's getting it back together again. Um, do you see – I mean, you you mentioned William Carlson. I, th- I think uh, Wenberg's quite a bit older than Carlson, has a lot more NHL games under his belt than when Carlson ended up going to Vegas. But do you, do you think he's a change of scenery uh, player? In other words, if he's not – I, I don't – I don't know. Maybe it is a a Wenberg Tortorella problem. Maybe if he had a different coach, things would be better. I don't know. Do you see him taking off as Carlson did if he gets a new opportunity somewhere? I, I don't. I don't take it off the table. But I want to be very clear. I don't think that, and I, and I think you would agree. I don't think that even the Carlson situation or this situation is a personal issue between player and head Absolutely. coach at all. Um, you know, the question, and I have said this for the people who bash on Winberg all the time, what is the player you want him to be? This has never been a player that's going to barrel down center ice, push to the net, fight for space, and bash in the garbage for a goal. That's not his game. Um, he is incredible defensively. He is a huge part of the penalty kill being what it is for this Columbus team. Um, he is an elite passer. When he's on his game, he is tremendously creative with tremendous vision. I think that he could be a really, really strong weapon behind the net, which is a strategic decision that teams are starting to make more and I think should continue to make more. You know, something happened that year that he was just besieged by injuries. Um, and I don't know if that's something that can be changed with a change of scenery, if that's something that he needs to work through. I respect anyone who has to go through what he went through that year because those were some not-so-inconsequential injuries. Um, but I, I do think that this is this is a very good player, but people have to understand what they're, what is the expectation. If you're expecting Sidney Crosby, of course you're going to be disappointed. If you're expecting Pierre-Luc Dubois, of course you're going to be disappointed. This is a yeah. different kind of player. And if he's playing in a system that needs that and has the skills to complement that, then yeah, I think he could be incredibly valuable for sure. I think people are hoping to see a return of the sixteen seventeen Winberg. Yeah. Like the question is, where did he go? Where did that player go? Now, and we've looked at this before. I think I remember looking at it specifically the next year. Where he went that next year was almost entirely where the power play went. The next year, his numbers yes. on the power play just went through the floor, as did the whole teams. Yes. 
But what do you see in the in the couple of years <clears throat> since then? Excuse me, because he he wasn't Pierre Luc Dubois. He wasn't a wasn't a dominating center. But boy, if you gave him open ice, he was he was deadly, and he did carry the puck. And this is what Tortorella is always talking about: he carrying the puck into traffic, holding on to the puck longer to make a play with it. And that he does, he's not the dangerous player he was three years ago. You see it in bursts. So you think maybe it's in there. But, but it, there's, I know there's frustration the moment he signed that big contract and it did correspond with his injuries. He just hasn't been the productive player he was to the point where, you know, they wanted him to be the number one center and Dubois passed him over. They wanted him to be the number two center. And they ended up putting Boone Jenner there because he couldn't hold it down. And then they they acquired Duchesne, and Wenberg finds himself on the outs. Uh, healthy scratch in games he shouldn't be a healthy scratch in. This is a player that, that in one sense, you, you say, well, he, he's not who he was in 16-17. And I've, I agree with you. He has he's done a lot of really good team, things for this team. And he's still a very a very beneficial player defensively on the penalty kill, especially. But there are times these last three years where they have made a conscious decision that he's not one of their top 12 forwards. And so he has sat, they've moved him to the wing. Like, I think that's the point that it's gotten to. And I really, I really feel like it's pretty cut and dried that he's not going to be back next season. Rather that takes the form of a trade or a, or a buyout. Um, am I out of line saying any of that? Well, I mean, I, I certainly don't feel equipped to say he's certainly not going to be back. I mean, who's to say? But, I, I, you know, I look at, I'm looking at, I'm trying to pull up information as you talk, but let's look at who he played with in 16-17. In 16-17, most of his minutes were with Nick Foligno, then Brandon Saad, then Oliver Bjorkstrand, then Cam Atkinson. If we go to the year before that, 15-16, which was his, that was the big year. That was the big point year, correct? Am I getting my years straight here? No, I think 16-17 was the big point year. 16-17 is the big point year, yes. So in 15-16, the majority of his time was with Scott Hartnell and Brandon Saad. And, you know, people have written about that Saad-Wenberg connection before. There was definitely something to that. And if we bring in the factor of either a Nick Foligno or a Scott Hartnell on the other side, you have a player who disrupts. We've talked mm-hmm. about the lack of a physical presence on every line of this team that also has skill. Um, and again, look, I'm not absolving Alexander Wenberg and saying that he's going to go somewhere and be elite and that the Blue Jackets are misusing him and da 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 da. That's not what I'm saying here, but. I do believe there is something to the type of player that elevates and maximizes his his abilities. I want to look here too real quick because I just think I remember something, but I don't want to speak before I yeah, it was it was now my theory starting to come true. It was that Winberg Jenner Vanek line. Remember how much that took off after the deadline 1718. And that's a similar chemistry there where you have a shooter-shooter offense guy like Vanek, and then you've got Boone Jenner creating havoc on the other side and demanding space. So 
you know, we even going into this regroup of the season, I remember that when we sat down and talked about what do these lines look like? And it felt like we were just kind of throwing three pieces together at a time. And again, not absolving the player, but in what situations, in what type of usage does Alexander Wenberg shine? And has he always been given those opportunities? Um, I think that's a very important question here because we do see that when he's in situations that suit him, he is extremely successful. The penalty kill is a perfect example of that. So the one thing, and we talk, you talked a little bit about this earlier with about referencing Carlson. Um, when I talked to people across the league last week after the story came out, it was if, he, if they end up buying him out, if he is a unrestricted free agent, which is what he would become, there would be a line of GMs to sign him. Now, sure. sign him at what is the is the million dollar question, or maybe two million dollar question? I think he's obviously a, a very serviceable player at two million bucks, and nobody questions how little he produces offensively. Yep. If he doesn't produce offensively, but if you're the Blue Jackets, how worried would you be, Allison, that there are two teams that shoot right to the top of the list in terms of teams that need third line centers a role that I think if you put him in you're not expecting too much um, that role in addition to the reasonable salary two million bucks whatever the New York Rangers the Pittsburgh Penguins oh right is is that an argument for doing whatever you have to do even if it means eating money to trade the contract of Wenberg even for a lesser return that you don't love um, to steer where he goes? Or is he a player that is of such consequence that you say, no, wherever he goes, he goes. We need to be done with it and move on. Yeah, I don't know that it's that easy. And and we talked about this last week is that if, if Wenberg's not in this picture, you need to be dang sure you've got another center. I mean, even though we don't love the strength down the middle right for now, sure. If you're going to make either of these moves, a trade or a buyout, you need to be 100% confident that you have a replacement there. And arguably, it's a improvement, an improvement, not just a body. Um, that's the whole modus operandi of this offseason for Yarmo Kekalainen. So um, in theory, if that is true, if this is part of a collective plan to elevate the talent level of the Columbus Blue Jackets and have an improvement at center. If that's truly the case, then I think you don't care so much where the player goes. Honestly. Um, I think that you let him go to what return benefits the organization, but the organization has to be taking care of the organization at the same time. It's not so much about prevent. It's about go on the offense so that that move doesn't hurt you. Even if it happens. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Uh, pause for a, a message from a sponsor, and we'll be right back on the other side. We started with 22 teams heading to Orlando, and now we are down to the final two. That's right, basketball's final two teams are set to square off to see who will be crowned basketball's champion. And there's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate basketball's championship, 
DraftKings will have millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs all week long. So get in on all of the action now. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. Just pick six players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. There's no better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars. With millions of dollars up for grabs, this week there is no better place to have a skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, Allison, if the Blue Jackets do move along from Alexander Wenberg... Uh, as you as you just mentioned there, they would almost certainly be getting a center somehow or other uh, in a trade and free agency. This is a hole that's created by Wenberg. I, I get the the desire to not pay him five point three five million in cash or to have his four point nine million dollar salary cap, but you need someone to be your third yes. line center if uh, even if you're keeping Jenner in, in the number two spot. How confident do you would you feel if they did move Wenberg along and they didn't replace him at center with the three possibilities that I'll name now? Texier, Foodie, neither of whom have played center in the NHL yet, if so, only briefly, and Kevin Stenland. Do you think any of those three would be a suitable Wenberg replacement in the event, unlikely event, that Wenberg moves along and another centerman is not brought in? You need to prepare me for these questions. I think... Good question. My initial reaction, going with my gut, is that it's perhaps okay if we're talking purely... Can one of those players play down the center of the ice at the same level? Yes. However, I think it hurts the overall effectiveness of the team at five on five because I think each of those three players is more effective at the wing. And I think overall, in all situations, it hurts the team because I don't think any of those players can fill Wenberg's shoes on the penalty kill. Yeah, and I'll agree with you. I, I like, and I, to me, this builds right into what we've been saying since the season ended. It's time to not be the youngest team in the league. hundred percent. So you can move a 26 year old guy out and stick a 22 year old center in there. And you can say, well, geez, the guy just started playing center. Give him some time to grow into it. Well, that, that, that kind of stuff needs to be, I think that needs to be in the, in the rear view mirror a little bit here now. Um, where where it's not about letting guys grow into stuff anymore. It's about getting there now. And so I don't think they I, I'm a I'm okay with this 
Wenberg moved to me, the numbers make sense. The financial numbers make sense. And I don't worry about what Pittsburgh or Washington or, or the Rangers do. Um, that's them. Let them build their team. If I, if I, if I talk to my scouts, if I talk to my coaches, if I talk to veteran trusted players in the room, and they tell me that they think the Wenberg we have now is the Wenberg that's going to be for the next, for the remaining term of his contract, then of course you try to trade it. But this is the move that I I make. Um, but I own I, I. It's hard for me to do this unless I've got a for sure center. And I've said this before. I want two centers for this team, so that Jenner can go back to the yep. wing. Because then I think you're on to something. Then I think you've got, you've got sure, Texier and Foodie can play in the middle if they have to. Stenland could be the fourth-line center if he knocks the door down and he's ready. But you're not turning it over to these guys and letting them grow in. That's a really important role. Yes. Um, you don't just let them grow into that lineup. So I think there's some kid gloves here, um, maybe more than I'm letting on, because I, I just look at the – to me, that buyout number is so appallingly low that I can't imagine them not jumping on that if the right trade isn't available. And I just given the specifics, I find it hard to believe huh, that a right that the right player is going to be there. But but uh, we shall see. Um, Allison, now that the Stanley Cup Finals are either over, depending upon what happened uh, happens later tonight or last night as you're listening to this, um, it's going to move fast and furious now. Are you having as hard a time as I am recognizing that, A, this is the end of September and like October is right around the corner, and this is now the off season, and it's going to get really frantic here because the draft is like, holy crap, it's like a week away, the draft in October. Um, are, are you Have you recalibrated to this, or are you still sort of totally out of whack? Yeah. I mean, time is a flat circle. It's irrelevant. Days or months or years, who knows? Um, I actually, yeah. my perspective, honestly, right now is more so that um, these next coming weeks, draft, free agency are kind of a burst of activity. And then we're going to go back yep. to a lull because we have no date for the next season. Um, and Correct. arguably, even now with the reports that have come out of the bubble, even here from Dallas and Tampa Bay players and coaches, no one sounds too keen on having that be the strategy for a return to play going forward. So um, who knows when this next season will get underway. I don't even know what we're going to call this next season when it gets underway. Um, Because if it starts in 2021, is it the 2021 season? I don't even know. But um, so for me, I see like the next two weeks as being busy and then we go back to kind of well, let us know when we start up again. <laughs> Mentality. Right. And it's weird that this 2019-20 season has almost been a full year. It's insane. Like a full calendar year. And it's two months away from being the 2019-2021 season. Exactly. Like, whoa. Um, so this is gonna get it's gonna get fast and furious here for the for the Blue Jackets and for other teams. Uh, speaking to Yarmo Kekalainen earlier today, and of course he wants closure on this, but he really wants to get Dubois, Anderson, Gavrikov done, especially the first two. 
so that he knows what kind of money he's dealing with when he goes to buy uh, players through trades or through free agency. Um, I, I asked him point blank if, if this team has an internal budget that is lower than the NHL salary cap, because I think most do. And surprisingly, he said, we haven't had that discussion yet. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, well, yeah, please. wait a minute. Like, please. like He's just not telling on. you like, about this, that conversation. Well, I know, but he usually has a better way of saying it than, than that. Um, you're going into the buying season now. Certainly, you have some idea of how much you can spend. Like, you're in the grocery store. Do you not know how much is in your checking account? Right. Um, and he basically said... Uh, our ownership has always been great, always been supportive of whatever we need to compete and improve the team. So I'm going off the premise that they're they're worried about about cash outlay, certainly. And the cash outlay on this team is less than the salary cap figure. Uh, some teams are not that way. Um, but I, I don't get the sense that they are restricted significantly below 81.5. So they will have some money to play around with. They'll especially have some money to play around with if, if in fact, Wenberg is bought out or traded. Um, and so it, it should be an, an aggressive stretch here. But I wanted to ask you, because here they are, the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, for so many years, Allison, the first-round draft pick was not just sort of gold, but it was like a top-ten pick. And here they are again picking 21st. They have a first-round draft pick again. They haven't in two of the last three drafts. Uh, That catches up to you eventually Mm -hmm. if you don't keep stocking your pool with first-round players in town. Mm -hmm. How should Yarmo treat that first-round draft pick in this year, given all you know about this franchise and where they're at and how much they've traded away those assets in recent years, what their prospects look like, yada, yada. How valuable, how touchable or untouchable should that pick be? Are you asking me if he should trade it? Well, exactly. Should he? I mean, if if the price is right, you trade anything. Should he be reluctant to trade it after what he's done the last few years? He should not be reluctant to trade it given what number it is, in my opinion. 21. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So because it's that late in the draft, the value of it drops precipitously. Correct. As we, I mean, again... I feel like I should print this on a T-shirt. Columbus Blue Jackets yeah. need a game changer. And if if this year's first-round draft pick helps you get that particularly with term, throw it at the other team. God bless. Go pick 21st. Have a good day. Blue Jackets will see you on the 8th or whatever it is. Spare no feeling for the morrow. Indeed, yes. Uh, in 2016, Evgeny Svechnikov. Went number 19. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to go through here. See if anybody blows you away. 2016, Kiefer Bellows. Yeah, it doesn't blow you away, nope. does it? Um, yeah, it's not. I, I think there's a bit of a myth there that you never trade the first one. Tony D'Angelo, 19, 2014. Well, I mean. He's been a pretty good player. Pretty good player. Um, 2013, that's about as far back as we'll go. Kirby Reichel, or no, he was 21st. Uh, Frederick Gautier went. So 
you're talking late first round draft pick. I'm with you. I'd move it mm-hmm. if the deal is right. Yep. If uh, if it gets you what you want, and I think those picks. I wonder. Want to get your take on this real quick before we wrap it up? But how does value of first round draft picks, in your opinion, correlate to to what they're worth this year when so many teams are in a financial crunch? In other words, draft picks are gold. Most years, I think that's been less so in recent years, but I wonder how how much teams looking to unload salary, move players, and acquire assets that don't cost them anything right now, how much more valuable those those might become. Is that a wrinkle we haven't quite thought about? Oh, I mean, I'm, we may not have, but uh, I'm sure the GMs are, and, and I can cite work um, from the Athletics' Dom Lushishan and um, also Prashant Ayer, who is on the Red Wings podcast, Prashant uh, put out a graph, um, and I'll share this on Twitter as well, um, using Dom's um, GSVA data, which I subscribe to wholeheartedly, showing that when you get down to, let's see here, the value the value in millions in terms of salary millions um, drops off precipitously, obviously after the first four picks. And at pick 20, you're looking at, oh, at approximately $2 million in contract value. And between 20 and 40, that drops to $1 million in value. So a a 21st overall pick, roughly, if this is very rough math, and yes, before anyone adds us, there are a million and one nuances to this. We get it. But a 21st round, a 21st overall pick is approximately a little over $2 million in contract value. Wow. So a third line center. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Or a young... Another young player, you know, depending on if you can get a player who wants to come and sign with your team, that's not going to sign with the other team. You know, there's there's angles yeah. there. Yeah, and that's tricky though, right? Because you look in, and I went back, and we were to- talking just a minute ago about the the uh, 2013 draft, and Frederick Gautier was the 21st overall pick. Yep. Yeah, but a couple picks later, Andre Burkowski. Yep. Shea Theodore, three picks after four, five picks after that. There are always examples of those guys in the late first round that absolutely explode, and that and so you're trading away. The likelihood of you nailing that maybe isn't as strong as some scouting groups would like to believe. David Pasternak went 25th the following year, but it does happen, and that that dream of it happening is, I think, what causes people to overvalue yes um, draft picks. So I mean, because you can play that game anywhere. Let's talk of about course. the top five busts. Let's talk yeah, about Oliver absolutely. Bjorkstrand picked in what round? What round was Cam Atkinson picked in? I mean, we can. Right. Seven. Hindsight right. is a delightful little gift, but we can't. Yeah. We can't do that here. Right. Although there are more gems late first than there would be the miracle picks in the seventh round or whatever. For sure, hundred percent. I mean, those you've got some some jam there. Um, but for every David Pasternak, there's a Gabriel Carlson, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right, Allison, anything else we need to get to? Um, I'd just like to give a shout out um, to Evolving Hockey, which is the site I was using to um, share the stats that I cited uh, in today's episode. So shout out to them. Nice. Thank you for their great work. Awesome. Thanks to Danielle Chip Lehman, our producer. Thanks to David Cook for the great sound, our intro and outro music. And thanks to you all for listening. As always, we'll be back with you on Friday. And thanks so much for listening.